Good morning. My name's Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors at our Norton campus. It's great to be with you again uh, this week. I was with you last week as we began this series, an introduction of uh, a light in the darkness. And uh, it's great to be able to carry on that conversation with you this morning. Before I begin, though, uh, I recognize that this is, uh, you know, these things are, are sensitive to us. And so if we would, just I'd like to pray for us as, as we enter into this. Father, uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love toward us. Lord, I thank you for the reminder of what we just sang, that, Lord, you are with us. You are there. Lord, even when, uh, even when things get scary, things get tough, even, Lord, when we feel like we're alone and no one's with us, Lord, you are there. I thank you that, that you know our thoughts, you know our lives, you know the things that we feel, and you empathize with us. You come alongside us. You build us up. You are present. And so, Father, as we enter into this, uh, continue into this conversation, Lord, I pray that the things that we feel deeply right now, that we would just continue to give those over to you. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, as I said, we began this, this five-week conversation on mental and emotional darkness that, that, we want, that we face in one way or another. We're either going through it ourselves or we love someone or know someone that is going through it, and we're like, how, how do I help? What do I do? How can I be a support? How can I be a friend? What are, what are the things I say and don't say? And, and we talked about a little of that stuff last week. But the goal of this series, the whole goal of this series is we want to bring hope for the hurting. If we can help bring a little bit of light to, the, to that deep darkness, then the darkness isn't as dark. And so we want to bring hope to the hurting. We want to bring help to those who are helping, who are coming along, someone who's struggling or wrestling with emotional or mental uh, darkness, and it's like, I don't know what to do. We want to we be able to help you and encourage you to know, keep going, keep doing it, keep being there. Because the darkness is real, and trying to walk this, this difficult road by yourself only makes it harder. And yet, walking alongside someone who's struggling is, is also really hard. <laughs> but you don't have to be a professional counselor to be a friend to someone walking in mental and emotional darkness, but you may need some understanding to be able to apply wisdom. You'll need to press closer to God and realize this, this life is not all there is to get a greater glimpse of God's love, his presence, and, and what that truly looks like. As a church, we're, we're a place where everyone is hurting and broken and, and sin-scarred in some way. But we're also a place that's filled with hope. We're a place that's filled with hope because of Jesus and what he's done in our lives, the gospel, the good news. And so the darkness is deep enough that, as I said before, just a little bit of light can make the darkness seem a little less dark. 
And so we need to be a part of this conversation. We learned last week one in four people suffer with a diagnosed mental illness. And yet very few of us understand what, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so we're limited in, in what we can cover in this series. And honestly, in many ways, uh, I'm learning right along with you. Nevertheless, we, we feel it's important to talk about this. Last week was an introduction talking about, talking about the complexity of the way that God has created us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we're not as neat and simple as the categories we've created to try to understand ourselves. However, we do have choices, and we need to capitalize on those, on those opportunities. And so it's in this context that today we're going to be looking at loneliness. The week after that, we're going to be uh, looking at depression and anxiety, and then pain and trauma. The last week of this series, we're going to ask a couple of professionals, counselors to come up, uh, just kind of do a, an interview, a panel, to talk about this some more. And then also want to make you aware that on November 3rd at the Norton campus, just down the road from uh, 9 to 12, we're going to be holding a workshop. So if there's anything, any questions that you have, you're like, man, I, I want to know a little bit more about this. I want to know how to help, or maybe I'm struggling with this. And you'll want to write November 3rd on your calendar, because I think that will be a great day of just being able to, to, to find some resources to get the help that we need. Speaking of which, we, we reached out to several counselors in, in our schools and in our community, and, and that's one of the top things that they mentioned, is we struggle with loneliness. You have either at some time in your life felt a deep loneliness you're going through it now, or you will. We all struggle with this at times in our life. You may know someone who, who's struggling with feeling alone and isolated even today. It's a darkness that finds its way into our lives. And so the darkness of loneliness is a real feeling we feel. The psalmist describes his own loneliness this way. He says, I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I've become like a bird alone on a rooftop. Just picture that in your mind, a, a little sparrow, a little wren perched on the rooftop. Who knows? Who cares? Insignificant little bird. So small, so unnoticed. No one can even see him. No one even knows he's there. And many, many people feel like that little bird. I mean, we've eaten, for, uh, we've eaten dinners for one at tables of two. We've awakened to the bed covers rumpled on one side of, of the bed only. We've stood in a crowd and felt like, no one knows I'm here. I remember we took a, a cave tour one time, and we were in this big group of about 30, 40 people, and we entered this room, and, and we were standing right next to each other, but they turned the lights off for about 30 seconds. Pitch black, complete silence. You know, in that 30 seconds, I was standing, my wife was right next to me. I'm among a group of people, but I felt so alone in that 30 seconds that the darkness was real. 
You could feel it. And sometimes that's how we feel. See, loneliness is, is hard to define, but this person, I think, does a great job describing it and saying it like this. Loneliness is like a piano without keys, like a violin without strings, like a sanctuary without a congregation or a choir where no one sings. Loneliness is like a blade of grass growing through a crack of cement. Loneliness is like a campground without a single tent. Loneliness is like a mockingbird that cannot sing a song. Loneliness is a feeling that one does not belong. Like a pansy in a cornfield hidden where no one can see, I know all there is to know about loneliness because it lives inside of me. Albert Einstein reportedly once said, it's, it's strange to be so universally no, known, yet to be so lonely. You see, loneliness strikes at the heart of the most famous as well as the, the average Joe, the rich or poor, or atheist or follower of Jesus, young or old. Loneliness doesn't discriminate. Henry David Thoreau said that a city is a place where hundreds of people are lonely together. And yeah, you can be lonely in a crowd. You can be lonely in a church. You can be lonely in a marriage. So what is loneliness? Pastor teacher Warren Wiersbe said it like this, loneliness is being all by yourself when you're surrounded by people. It's easier to experience than it is to define. Loneliness is a feeling of isolation even in the midst of a crowd. You feel unwanted, you feel unneeded, you feel as though there's nothing to live for, you feel as though nobody really cares anymore. That's loneliness. Loneliness eats away at the inner person. It saps you of strength. It robs you of hope. Loneliness puts a wall around you no matter how free you may be. And so loneliness is often brought on by this feeling of, of being disconnected, a feeling of being out of touch, a loss of intimacy or belonging. It comes from a feeling of, of being rejected or, or feeling insecure in our relationship. Sometimes, sometimes there is a spiritual reason that's rooted in selfishness. But like all mental illness, the, the root is complex. We talked about this last week. and It can be caused by chemistry, uh, just how we're made, our bodies and, and the hormones and different chemicals in our lives, uh, <clears throat> inside our bodies, circumstances. My situations, my connections, my relationships, my consciousness, how I think about myself, how I talk to myself. It can be caused by my choices. But more than likely, it's a mixture of, of all of these different things. But the reality is, the darkness of loneliness is a real we feel. Not only that, the darkness of loneliness is epidemic. Because it's a growing issue in our society. One study, again, I'm going to give you a bunch of statistics. If, if you go away with one, that would be great. <laughs> one study found that almost 50% of, of U.S. adults report sometimes are always feeling lonely. Another 50% indicate they feel left out. And it's in light of these figures that they conclude that loneliness is at a epidemic levels. It's a public health crisis. Three out of four Americans experience moderate to high levels of loneliness. 
Less than half of Americans say they have a meaningful in-person social interaction on a daily basis, like an extended conversation with a friend or a conversation with a family member. In 2015, roughly 57% of those age 60 and older reported being lonely. One recent study from the University of Pittsburgh found people ages 19 through 32 who spent two or more hours a day on social media were twice as likely to feel isolated. Another report found that 30% of millennials, that's ages 23 through 38, always or often feel alone. One in five in this age say they have no friends. 27% they have no close friends. 30% say they have no best friend. A study by the American Council of Life Insurance reported that the loneliest group, groups of people in America are college students. Next on the list were divorced people, welfare recipients, single mothers, rural students, housewives, and elderly. Not only that, but there's this physical element to to all of this as well. Studies have shown, and this this shocked me, (laughs) that loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging to our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 50% of heart patients admitted they were lonely and depressed before they had their episode. Some research indicates there's a relationship between loneliness and diabetes, loneliness and depression, and certain kinds of cancer. Loneliness and isolation lead to an early death. 80% of psychiatric patients interviewed said they sought help because of their loneliness. Get the picture? It's an epidemic. Not only is this a, a darkness we feel, it's, a, it's this epidemic, it's this, it's this problem that we're facing, so what are we doing about it? You know, individuals try to deal with loneliness in a lot of different ways, often unhealthy, unhelpful ways. Uh, one way that, that's, that's self-defeating is, well, I'm just going to work a lot more. I'm going to avoid life, and I'm going to become a workaholic. Some people choose materialism. If I just surround myself with things, then, then, then I'll be happy. But things can't replace people in your life. Some people have affairs. Others turn to alcohol and drugs. Others do nothing. Countries around the world are scrambling to bring relief to the symptoms of loneliness. In Britain, uh, Prime Minister Theresa May appointed the nation's first ever minister of loneliness. In Japan, a new business that might be called Rent-A-Friend is paying strangers to come into your home and pretend to be your relative and exchange family gossip. They give them a portfolio, a bio of your family members and a detailed biographies of who they're to pretend to be and they pretend to be that person just so you're not alone. You can hire them uh, as friends for weddings and funerals. The Friendship Bench Project in Zimbabwe is is a mental health intervention that makes use of community grandmothers. Cuddle lounges find themselves in the United Kingdom. I don't think I could go to a cuddle lounge. It just sounds weird. (laughs) 
In Australia, men sheds allow guys to work comfortably together shoulder to shoulder on woodworking projects. All these different things, trying to combat loneliness, and where is the church? Where's the church in all of this? What role do we play? Should we, should we play in, in bringing light to the darkness of loneliness? And so the rest of the time today, I want us to look at some principles we learn from the Apostle Paul. And so if you have your Bible or device, and um, I think it'll be on the screen as well, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. We want to bring light to the darkness of loneliness. So I want to give us a little context uh, uh, for this passage that we're looking at this morning. See, 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul would write. And the words in chapter 4 are, are really his last recorded words that we have. And so he looks, he's looking back on his life with gratefulness. He's pouring his life and experience into young Timothy. But his current situation is difficult. Paul is about 71 years old right now, and he's come to the end of this rich, full life. But it had also come with persecution and, and pain and loneliness. Especially now, as he's writing this last chapter, this last letter, because this last letter wasn't written from his home, it, it wasn't written from the, uh, some inspiring mountain cottage, but a dismal, dark, damp prison in Rome. The Mamertine prison was in this low, boggy part of the city of Rome. It was infested with rats and, and malaria-infested, uh, malaria-bearing mosquitoes. It's just days before winter sets in, so it's getting cooler and, and that kind of thing. And he, Paul is used to being with groups of people, either ministering to them or, or with them side by side, and now he's alone. Only his faithful friend Luke is with him. Not only that, but death is near. This seasoned veteran could see the end approaching. Because earlier we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. But see, the thing is, though, is as much as Paul looked forward to heaven and being with Christ and being with Jesus, he certainly wasn't looking forward to dying. Every day might be his last as he awaits his execution. His life is in the hands of men who didn't know or care about him. Regardless, Paul demonstrates some important anchors to attach our lives to, to bring light into the darkness of our loneliness. He demonstrates for us, <clears throat> I can he begin to heal from this loneliness that I feel. Because ultimately, loneliness is rooted in feeling disconnected and feeling isolated. Uh, it, I watched a, an interesting TED Talk this week. The presenter said this, in order to feel connected, we need to be seen, we need to be heard, we need to be valued. 
In order to feel connected, we need to be seen, heard, and valued. I, I think that's powerful and probably true. All of us desire these things to some degree. In order to experience these things, though, we need certain anchors in our lives, anchors which are intentional habits and, and rituals that keep us connected to relationships, that keep us connected to truth. Because loneliness often has a lot more to do with how we think about our circumstance than it has to do with our actual circumstance. It's how we think about what's going on, the way we choose to respond. We have some power in changing it. Paul's circumstances were pretty grim, but he chose to think of them in a different light. And so here's a few anchors I think Paul established in his life that kept him from being swept away by this, this darkness of loneliness. And can I just say, these anchors aren't easy. These anchors aren't easy, especially when you're in the midst of loneliness. But choosing to do even one of these begins to bring just a little bit of light into the darkness. And so the first is establish habits that connect you with others. Establish habits, anchors, that connect you with others. In other words, as Samuel Johnson said it, keep your friendships in good repair. You see, we can be tempted when life gets crazy and, and busy or just plain messy, we can start to ignore our relationships. But we see Paul establishing habits early on in his life. He always had somebody with him. He saw the importance of, of discipling, of mentoring younger men and building into their lives. It was a discipleship strategy to live for Jesus in front of others and invest and pour his life into others but you know what? It was also just nice to have someone around. <laughs> Not only did he always have someone around, he, around him, he, he, kept, he kept them around him by maintaining the relationship. The connection that he had with them by constantly writing letters of encouragement and instruction and, and updates in the ministry and greet this person and greet that person, say hi to this person. And he kept his friends close. In verse 9, he says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. And then he goes on the list of uh, individuals by name, 18 different people. Most of, them, uh, um, most of them is friends. You see, Paul valued his friends and relationships. And he intentionally created habits to keep them in his life. He's constantly maintaining his ties with people he cares for. In verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila, the household of Anesiphorus. So don't wait till loneliness takes root to try to find a friend. Establish friendships now. Keep them close. Sometimes we'll meet hyper-religious people who say, I don't need friendships, just me and Jesus. Well, look at Paul. He wanted to see his closest friends before his execution. He needed people around there. Is there someone you can rely on when going through periods of loneliness? Can you be an encouragement to someone? Are, are you a friend to others? Be, be, kind to the, be, be the kind of person you want as a friend. 
and establish intentional habits in your life to keep connected with them. I mean, if you, if you need to, schedule friendships and relationships into your calendar. It's so important. And this is one of the great things about our, our life groups. They're, these groups are there for us to connect with each other, to encourage one another, to pour our lives into, into one another, to walk this life together. We need these relationships or we eventually drift into loneliness. Again, in verse 21, Paul tells Timothy, get Mark and, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Do your best to get here before winter. You see, it takes vulnerability. It takes transparency to let people know, help, I need you. I need you in my life right now. It takes courage to ask for help, but if it's a close friend, man, they'll be so thankful you asked. So often we, we wait till things get so bad that our friends step into the picture and they're like, ah, I don't know what to do. So when you start feeling these things, cry for help to a friend. And as a friend, be willing to enter into their darkness, be willing to be present. And so establish habits that, that connect you with others. Number two, focus on others. Another anchor of the connectingness is to, is to empathize with other people's needs instead of focusing inward, focusing outward on people. Start helping other lonely people. That's what Paul did. His whole goal in life was to point people to Jesus to bring hope, to bring light into their lives. He said, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul was lonely at the end of his life, yet he never forgot his life's goal, to help other people and lead them to Jesus. I read one study that, that said something as simple as a smile can help combat loneliness. Be a friend, serve, love others well. Many years ago, a, a, a lady named Corey Tenboom, uh, she's a Dutch Christian who ended up in a concentration camp because she hid Jews from the Nazis. She went through a difficult time in her life. She was engaged to be married to a man that she was deeply in love with, and he broke the engagement and married her best friend. As you can imagine, she was devastated. She was, she was lonely because nothing hurts more than being rejected and then having someone chosen over you. And she got home and she's telling her dad what happened and her dad said something I think was very wise to her. He said, Corey, your love has been blocked and he's married somebody else. Now, there's two things you can do with a blocked love. You can damn it up inside and, and hold it all inside and it will eat you up. Or you, re you can rechannel it to something or someone else and focus on other people's needs. You can live a life of love meeting other people's needs. You see, Corey chose to do the latter and though her life was difficult, she impacted and still impacts lives worldwide. So we'll... Do we look for the guest who comes for their first time and, and doesn't know anyone? Do we connect with them? Do we, do we help them to feel welcome? Do we look for ways to help? Do we, do we serve others? 
Are we isolating ourselves or are we, are we building bridges? Look for ways to serve and connect and love others. And, and now I say all this and I understand, I realize people who are hurting, you can't even begin to imagine helping someone else. You may feel like the world has forgotten. You may feel like God has forgotten you. I encourage you, just keep pressing into God. I love the comfort that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from him. What an encouragement. And so establish habits, anchors to, to connect with others, to, to focus on others. Number three, establish the habit, the anchor, take good care of yourself. Paul didn't sit around and do nothing. Even though he was in prison, he wrote, he, he studied, he utilized his time. You see, loneliness has a tendency to, to paralyze us. But whatever we can do to combat loneliness, we need to do it. In verse 13, Paul says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, my scrolls, especially the parchments. You know, Paul was just human enough to want his favorite coat. Bring my, bring my cloak. He didn't ask to borrow a cloak. He could have asked Luke to, hey, go to the Roman market, buy me a blanket, buy me a cloak. You know, and I think, man, maybe Paul had woven it himself and it reminded him of home. Maybe there were a lot of memories attached to this cloak. See, nothing is too small in considering ways to break through the darkness of loneliness. Take care of, of your physical needs. Get some sleep. Make sure you're, you're eating healthy food. Don't let yourself go. Get out, walk, or exercise. Get out around people. Go to a ball game. Get fresh air. Do something for someone else. Studies have shown that something as practical as sleep makes a huge difference. Those who get the proper amount of sleep, not too little or too much, have lower loneliness scores and feel like they have someone to turn to. And it's the same with exercise. Take care of your physical needs. Also, expand your mind. Paul asks for his books and parchments. It reminds me that, that reading and studying can broaden our perspective. It can help start to lift us out of the blues. Because what we read makes us think, it reminds us of what's true. And so get some good books and, and, and read, be in God's word. There's more to life than, than binging on Netflix or scrolling through Facebook endlessly. Don't let your world shrink. Expand your mind. It's, a, it's as if Paul said, if, if I'm going to be lonely, I might as well be comfortable. And I'm going to make the best of a bad situation. Bring my coat. At least I'll be warm. Bring my books so I can read, so I can study, so I can keep doing things and engage my mind. And it's interesting that Paul wrote four letters while he was in prison at different times in his life. And those four letters are found in our Bibles today. 
to encourage us, to bring comfort, to inspire us, to challenge. Take care of yourself. Number four, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Last couple of weeks, my wife and I uh, have been taking my dad to some high, high school football games. And I've, been, I've just been so impressed by this particular team, these running backs in these games. The guys don't stop. And so you see the guy get the ball, and he hits the line of scrimmage, and it's all bogged down, and, and people you know, have their arms wrapped around him, and he keeps pumping his legs, and he keeps going, and he turns a two-yard gain into a 12-yard gain. <laughs> In fact, a couple weeks ago, we were, watching this, we were watching this game, and I saw one guy break three tackles and drag a guy 10 yards into the end zone. These are guys that keep moving. You see, they could hit the line of scrimmage, get bogged down. It's like, okay. But no, it's like, no, I'm going to work for every inch that I can get. They keep moving. In the midst of rejection and discouragement, Paul also kept moving forward. Listen to Paul's situation. Verse 10, for Demas, because he loved this world, he's no longer with me. He deserted me. Verse 14, Alexander, the metal worker, did, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my, my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Rejection, disappointment by those closest to us can hurt us the most. That's why adultery and divorce are so difficult. Harboring bitterness toward a few can drive everyone else away. The temptation is to withdraw, to stop. Paul didn't do that. Paul had a lot of time on his hands. But the one thing he didn't have time for was to become resentful. He knew that resentment would, would only make him lonelier and, and build a wall around his life. You see, relent, uh, resentment locks us into this self-imposed prison, and it drives people away because nobody likes to be around a cynic, someone who's always bitter, always complaining, always negative. You see, Paul wanted to be a better person, not a bitter person. And rather than allowing himself to get stuck in the feelings of resentment and, the, and stuck in, in the feelings toward his circumstances and feeling rejection, Paul kept moving forward. Finally, and perhaps the most important anchor, of, anchor for us this morning is to seek to know God's presence. You see, Paul recognized God's presence when he wrote in verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone left me. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. We don't know exactly what he's referring to there. It could have been Nero the lion. He was delivered from Nero. It could have been that he was delivered from maybe a real lion in the Colosseum. The lion, the, the lion might be the, the mouth of danger. 
He was delivered. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And Paul says, man, nobody was with me. They deserted me, but the Lord was right there with me in the courtroom. See, where is God when you're lonely? The truth is he's right there in your loneliness. Jesus said, I will, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I turn my back on you. Never will I forsake you. Paul learned that his connection with God is a tremendous antidote to loneliness. He learned that loneliness is, is often a signal to press harder into God. See, I remember in college, I, I was at that age, and my best friends had just been engaged, and they're spending all their time with their, uh, their fiancés, and, and you know, I would go with them to different places, and man, I felt like a third wheel. <laughs> like, what, what am I doing here, you know? For me, a couple relationships hadn't worked out. I'd been in Africa and came back with a, a series of illnesses that kept me tired and weak most of the time. And it was during this time that I felt the most profound loneliness. I remember sitting in the cafeteria and, and on a, at a table with friends and just feeling so alone. My like, God, what, what are you doing? It was during this time I came across Matthew 6.33, which the first part just says, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And God just laid it on my heart, determined I need to know God more. I don't know him the way that he wants to be known in my life. I need to seek him more intentionally. It's interesting, singer Amy Grant recorded a song that says, I love a lonely day, it makes me think of you. It chases me to you, it clears my heart. In effect, she's saying, it gives me a chance to really focus on you, God. You see, every one of us struggles with loneliness at some point, at some depth. We can't escape it, but we, but we don't have to be a victim. Sometimes loneliness is a gift because it can draw us into a closer relationship and deeper dependence upon Jesus. Not only can we know and have hope in the fact that God is present in our lives, but we can also know God's presence through others. It's interesting, you see, loneliness isn't a, isn't a new problem. In fact, when God created Adam, it wasn't long before the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Adam was lonely, he needed help, and God provided a companion to remove his loneliness and to help him. God created us for community. God created us for relationships. We were formed for friendships. We were made from a relationship with God for relationship with others. And God has provided us himself and others in our lives to keep us from loneliness. The problem is sin has affected and infected our relationships. It's why in a crowd you can feel lonely. It's why we need constantly remind ourselves of these truths. In order to feel connected, we need to be seen and heard and valued. 
But you know what the good news is? In Jesus, we have all these things. He died to have a relationship with you. See, because he sees you, he hears you, he values you. He valued you to the point that he gave his life for us. I love this reminder from Pastor Tim Keller. He says, when over the years someone has seen you at your worst and knows you with all your strengths and flaws, yet commits him or herself to you wholly, it is a consummate experience. To be loved but not, but not known is comforting, but it's superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. The gospel is that I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared to believe. Yet, at the same time, more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than I ever dared to hope. You see, you are valued. You are seen. You are heard. And I realize that many people are hurting so bad they can't imagine helping someone else. Let alone uh, read a book. Exercise. Pursue God. And you may feel like the world has forgotten. You may feel like God has forgotten you. The truth is, God still loves you. In the midst of your sin, in the midst of our broken world and shattered dreams, God is there. You may feel like you're lost in this valley of loneliness, but remember, you are not alone. I love this song that we've, that we've been singing the last couple of weeks. There's another in the fire. Jesus is with us through the tough times. With that reminder, I just want to leave you with this. You may feel like no one understands. You may feel like no one cares, that no one's listening, but Jesus understands your loneliness. Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. In his darkest hour, the night before he was crucified on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, and all his friends fall asleep. When the soldiers came and took him to the trial, they, they didn't stand by him. They, they ran away. And then there's Peter. He's kind of lurking in the shadows, wants to be with Jesus, but he doesn't want to be associated with Jesus at this point because it might mean him getting in trouble and it might mean his life. And it's like, don't you know him? It's like, I don't know him. Well, don't, weren't you his disciple? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Three times he denied Jesus. And as Jesus took the sin of the world, my sin on himself on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus can relate to that nobody cares about me feeling. The Bible says he came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. He was rejected by his own nation, rejected by his family, rejected by his own hometown. And so Jesus understands loneliness. He understands how you feel. He cares. He sees. He knows you. He hears you. 
Let him into your loneliness and shed some light in your darkness. See, God has, has created us to be in community with others. How will you be a friend to someone who needs someone to care for them? Just to be there, to be present. You see, God wants to use you to bring light into someone's dark loneliness. Let's pray together.